0: Limitless was created in order to inform, educate, entertain, and share stories from within the blind and partially sighted community in order to show the world that the opportunities for those who are blind or partially sighted are truly limitless. And now it is my pleasure to introduce you to your host, the executive director and founder of Blind Beginnings, Sean Marcellet. Welcome back to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast.
1: I'm your host, Sean Marcelet, and I'm so happy that you have joined us again this week. If you listened last week, we talked to Lily, who attended a school for the blind, which I have to admit, sounded fantastic. And I would say Lily's experience is an example of how segregating people who are blind could be a positive. Today, we want to dig a little deeper into talking about integration versus segregation. And I have three wonderful co-hosts with me today for this conversation. Welcome back, Clement, Ishita, and Nika.
0: Good morning. Hello. Wow.
1: Okay, so maybe you can start by, I think all of you have been on the podcast enough that we don't necessarily need to um, explain your level of vision at great length, but maybe tell our listeners sort of whether you've mostly been
2: integrated, segregated,
1: combination of both. What's your experience?
2: For me personally, I think growing up when I was younger, I dealt with a lot more kind of segregated activities. And then as I got older, I slowly kind of shifted to more of a hybrid of also getting more involved in the community and doing integrated extracurriculars. For the
3: most part, I've actually been integrated. Um, I could, like From everything I can remember uh, from school to extracurricular activities to volunteering, um, I've always had a more integrated experience. And the reason I wanted to share my experience on this podcast is because that's actually something that my family really pushed for uh, throughout my life so that was primarily the experiences that i've had
0: my experience has always kind of been somewhere in the middle of the road um more towards i mean it really depends on what you ask me but i, I would say i've had a little bit of both a lot of both growing up um And nowadays I'm still trying to find that perfect balance between the two because there are definitely times when one works better than the other. Um, So it's an ongoing journey of trying to find the best point where both can kind of meet together.
1: And I would say when I was growing up, um, it was pretty much entirely integration because I only really had an experience of being with other people who were blind at summer camp for one week of the year. And, uh, and then as I sort of found that, wh- how amazing that experience was, I looked for opportunities to be with my people <laughs> or segregated, I guess. Um, but real life is integration most for the most part, except that I work in the blindness field. So then I have this weird balance of like, I get to live in this little segregated blind bubble, but then I, or I sorry, I get to work in this little segregated blind bubble, but then I live in a predominantly cited world where I'm integrating all the time. So I thought maybe we could start by defining these two terms for people. And I actually looked them up in the dictionary. So integration, the act of bringing together smaller components into a single system that functions as one. Um, segregation, the act or practice of setting apart or separating of people or things from others, or from the main body or group. So I thought maybe we could discuss some examples of of each of these things. Maybe let's start with integration. Like you know, some of the places that we've been integrated.
0: Well, I guess one, you know, the kind of the most obvious one, at least in most of Canada, is the school system. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we uh, not not to say it's perfectly integrated because it's not, and I think everybody could acknowledge that. But, you know, that is that is one of the places where we try to integrate uh, kids with disabilities or any uh, of many differences, really, uh, all sorts of diverse backgrounds into the same kind of system. And I think that's kind of the one that's most apparent, I would say.
2: Mm-hmm. That's where I did a lot of my branching out is not just school, but also extracurriculars related mm-hmm. to schools like I was in. Uh, model United Nations and the school play and choir, and I think that uh, worked really well for me, personally.
3: Yeah, roughly the same for me. Um, Throughout school, I was always uh, integrated with the other students, Um, and like, like I mentioned in the intro, my parents actually really pushed for this. I did have the opportunity to Um, go to a different school where I would be in a separate classroom and with other students uh, with disabilities. But my parents pushed for the idea for me to be in an integrated school because um, they believe that it would better prepare me for life outside of school. Um, And another way that we see this is through volunteering. Um, I've always been in volunteering experiences that involved um, other side people. And that really did help me prepare for having to deal with the challenges of like advocating for myself or having to um, work around challenges and collaborating with other people. I really think that the integrated uh, model that my parents uh, wanted me to follow really did support me with that.
2: I also feel like recently I've been doing a lot of integration because I'm involved in a couple youth councils. I'm in the BC Youth Council, and I'm also in the North Vancouver um, Youth Council for my MP. And I'm the only person with a disability um, on those uh, councils, as far as I'm aware. And I've also started doing gymnastics a few months ago, and I'm in a adult gymnastics class, and I don't have to do any special adaptations. Uh, I- I'm curious about something...
0: Um... Ishthal, you mentioned earlier how your parents pushed you to be more integrated so that you could, it would help in later experiences. I, mm-hmm. I I find that really interesting because we, you know, like you know, you and I talk about this all the time, but we come from similar cultures, but the approach our parents took is like day and night opposite. Um, <laughs> where my parents always wanted me to find the other blind kids and be around blind people. And it was the case of you can only do these jobs because you're blind. And so there wasn't really an attempt to kind of push me out of the blindness space. And I'm curious to know, like as, a, as somebody else uh, who's from like, a, a more ethnic background, what's like a non-Western background, What why do you think that is?
3: I don't know. Like uh, when I asked my parents, it's that it was always that we just want you to get the full experience of mm-hmm. whatever you're doing. So it mm-hmm. was a school. We want you to be immersed in school like everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, we want you to get the full experience of being on a team like a, like I was on the basketball team or mm-hmm. um, getting all the volunteering experiences because like they genuinely believe that that's what would help me uh in life when i get yeah. a job when i when i go to university um because yeah. there, uh, you know a lot of places don't really have segregated um i would say areas for those mm-hmm. um yeah. and i don't really think that they knew too much about blind beginnings and cnib they didn't know about like volunteering and camps but um unfortunately because i was an integrated system i didn't have too much time before those activities right right, right. um so i was i i from what i know it was just like they thought it was the best way to prepare me for life, and um, and we did get a lot of people um, saying wouldn't she struggle less in a segregated? Mm. Um, well, they didn't say segregated, but mm. in a situation where there were other students like her. Mm-hmm. Um, and anytime that they said that, my parents would just say, "She's doing fine. <laughs> she's she's doing good." <laughs> that, that's that's really interesting. So, so would would you say that?
0: You know, n- now that you've met other. Kids who have disabilities who are also from the same culture. Like, would you say that it's like? Would you say your parents were a little bit more of an exception than the rule?
3: Uh, I I think so. For the Mm. most part, of course, I think there are there are like people who do believe what my parents believe. But for the most part, I've seen that it is a more quote unquote I would say protect approach, Uh where it's we want to keep them um, not I wouldn't say safe, but we want to keep them like where they don't have to face as many difficulties yeah, where, for sure. it, it, you know, things come easier, I would for say. Sure. And I, I'm not saying that migration allows for that, but that's kind of the mentality that I've noticed.
0: Yeah. And, and um, I, I would agree with that. I've noticed that
3: yeah. too. So that, that's kind of how I would say. I do think my parents are a little bit more like throw her out to the walls we'll see yeah. what happens. Yeah. <laughs> kind they're, of kind of, they're kind
0: of more, they're kind of more they're kind of more willing to push boundaries than yeah. what you would typically yeah. expect from cultures like ours, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I okay. think
3: I I personally found that very helpful because I think sure. it it showed me that they had sure. faith in me and sure. that they believed I could push boundaries myself and yeah. and do as well as any other student. So I huh. I think integration personally worked best for me, but yeah, yeah, I think and everyone's I, different.
0: Sure. Exactly. And I was going to say, and I would have actually felt the same way, but it's, I just, it's just really interesting to me how the, you know, again, similar cultural backgrounds, similar kind of philosophies to a lot of things that our parents would take. But in that Mm -hmm. area, it's like, wow, like there's a 180 degree difference in the way they approached it.
1: Well, and just interesting if, if anyone has been attending our exploring work Wednesdays and they will be posted on our website, we're working on that. Uh, We've been interviewing working adults who are blind or partially sighted. And one of the questions is always, what did your parents do that helped you? And so often the answer is (laughs) they just treated me like any other kid. They encouraged me to try whatever I wanted to try. Um, You know, they, they didn't, they, they didn't coddle me basically. So, Yeah.
2: yeah. That's like so weird because my parents are, they're in the middle And they're like that with some things and not with others. So like with fashion makeup and stuff, my mom would always say like, I dressed you in cute outfits when you were a baby because I wanted to show people that, you know, blind people can look, you know, pretty and care about their looks. And she was always encouraging me to make sighted friends. But then she also had the mentality of, oh, I can only do certain extracurriculars and certain careers, Um, But then in an academic setting, she really pushed me to get like involved in different academic clubs. And um, when the school was kind of considering like moving me to like more of an LAC type program, they pushed back against that. So they're almost kind of in the middle, but depending on the topic, they'll flip flop to one side.
1: It's funny. And my parents just denied that I had a visual impairment for most of my childhood. (laughs) So there was no, it was all integration. It it was like, I didn't even get to learn Braille, for example, because I would have asked too many questions about why am I learning Braille? (laughs) So, yeah, I think that's not good either. I think, you know, being all the way at the other end of the spectrum of like, not even acknowledging that there is a disability of any kind is probably not ideal, but.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And, and so my parents are the other extreme where it was very, very clear that I was the blind kid and uh, you know, there were things that were going to have to be done differently for me as opposed to, you know, my two dozen or so cousins who were of similar age to me. Mm. So that was, that was always a thing growing up as well. So and it was it was weird, you know, again, culturally, for cultural context, growing up in two worlds. Growing up in a world uh, in the Canadian school system that taught integration as a good thing, or at least taught, you know, to search for that balance that I was talking about earlier, and then to come home and have it, you know, have it tip all the way to the other end, you know, to where you're blind, which means you can't go biking with your cousins, or if they're going to go play in the yard, you have to stay inside and listen to your audiobooks because... Oh, yeah, that.
1: Oh, that's awful.
0: So it's it, it's it's just really interesting to have this conversation because of how ranged, how widely arranged the experiences are. Mm-hmm. You can mm-hmm. and we you, you know we can already see from just barely starting that it's it's kind of run the gambit to, no, you don't have a disability. To yeah, they're kind of flip flop to well, we believed in integration in spite of your disability, and to you're disabled or go nothing else can happen (laughs) so um
1: I I feel like we've talked about this a little bit but are there other benefits do you think to integration I I feel like we've we've sort of talked about the how it 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 prepares you for reality is that is that the big one or are there other things
2: there's two other reasons for me and uh the first one would be The most important for me personally, which is I think the more programs that I participate in, the more people I will be able to educate about blindness and visual impairment. For example, like doing my gymnastics class, none of the staff or the coaches met someone who is visually impaired. And now that I go there, they know. And that's kind of like five people who I educated more about uh, blindness and visual impairment. And the second reason would be, um, this is kind of a thing: is I'm very stubborn, and I like proving people wrong. I guess. Yes. Yep. yep. Uh, I'm with so you. So, like all the things, it's like, well, ha ha, to the physiotherapist who said <laughs> I couldn't do gymnastics when <laughs> I was four, like I win. Or ha ha <laughs> to my doctor who said I can't do ballet, like I did. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and it's the same, kind of the same for me too. And, and the, the big one for me, of course, is is education. You know, I don't, I don't necessarily see myself as, you know, an ambassador for every single blind person around because everyone has different approaches. But yeah, I, I do hear enough uh, in the integrated communities that I'm part of that because of me, that, you know, people have opened their minds up a little bit more when it comes to treating people um, equally, Despite differences that they're not entirely comfortable with, or they don't know a lot about, um, and you know, like like Nika, I'm also stubborn. Um, you know, and I, I I have the same I take the same delight in proving people wrong, uh, especially when it comes to my blindness. Um, but I, I think another one for me too is just the fact that, and this is this isn't just blindness. This is any sort of social political religious bubble you know when you stay in it you can only learn a certain amount whereas when you break out of it a little bit yeah uh it might be uncomfortable but i think at the end of the day you learn a lot more than kind of always staying in your comfort zone um and again but that that's again not just blindness related that's any sort of you know expanding your own horizons right that's why we say that so much it's because when you stay in one place um Things stagnate, and when you don't, then you get to expose yourself to more different things, um, and you know you you grow through that too.
3: hmm. I completely agree with Nika and Clement. Um, I'm also very stubborn. <laughs> I think that's just everyone hey. here. <laughs> I call it the press, yeah. but <laughs> Yes. Um, I think like generally, what I would say that you learn is, uh, or the benefit would be skills. I think, uh-huh. of course, one big being advocacy. Um, And I think that's something that no matter how much someone tells you about, you don't learn without experience, personally, what I've learned. Um, And integrated programs or just school always uh, taught me how to properly advocate for myself, because up until I would say grade seven or something, my mom was doing that for me. Um, but another thing I would say, and it's an unfortunate truth that I've learned, is that integrated programs have more opportunities than I think segregated programs do, just because yeah. usually they have um, more participants or more like a wider scope. Yes. So you get to learn more just skills overall through them, I've learned. So um, one example is uh, a martial art, and Clem, you're going to love this story, uh, a martial art, yes, a Sikh martial yes. art called Gafka that I think I briefly talked about in one of our other podcasts that I wanted to learn when I was in grade three in my school. Um, And they straight up refused me uh, because Uh, when I went to the teacher to try out, he said, you're blind, you can't do it. um, And didn't mm -hmm. even give me a chance. Uh I went home, told my mom, my mom being the mom that she is, came and yelled at the teacher saying, (laughs) this is not fair, Um, educate yourself, she can do it. You didn't even give her a chance. If she failed when she auditioned, then fine. But I refuse to not even like you give her a chance. Mm-hmm. Um, I did it, I I, tr- I tried out, I did end up, uh, I don't know if he was just scared <laughs> and he gave it to me or <laughs> I did well and I got in, um, but I did learn um, Guthka for about a couple of years after that and I, as hard as I did try to find um, one for visually impaired or blind people, I could not find one. Um, so, and it, because it wasn't being offered in my school or any other academy that I found. So, yeah. um, I think like, yeah, you do definitely get to learn skills outside yeah. of, um, I think, that are offered in segregated programs.
0: Yeah, and I think just one thing really quickly that kind of leads off from what you said, I think problem solving skills are one of the biggest things that we can mm-hmm. learn. Um, because when there's no workaround that's already kind of established, you have to figure out a new one. Um, and mm-hmm. I, you know, for me, that's, that's one of the biggest skills, um, along with advocacy. Those are the two biggest, I would say.
2: Yeah, sure. Ishita, I love that your mom did that. Like, our mom (laughs) should get together and exchange war stories because uh, (laughs) mine gets like, mine does that with like academic stuff. Like, when this one pre calc teacher in grade 11 said I couldn't do the course and like wanted to like try and kick me out of his class, she went like full on Persian on him. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny because my mom's also like the
3: opposite. When I mess up, she's like, you take ownership of what you did. Um, I was a terrible French student. I hated French. Um, I'm sorry to anyone who speaks French out so, there. So
0: did, so did most of us. I, I speak I, French, I was so. so
3: bad at it. And I don't, it was just me. I didn't care to try. Um, and <laughs> when I, you know, slipped up and didn't do well in an exam, um, my mom went to go see my teacher and I parent a conference and my teacher was waiting for her to, to say, give my student another chance. Uh, so give my daughter another chance. Um, it's not fair, you know, because she's so used to hearing that from other parents. My mm-hmm. mom just like, good, you gave her a C. <laughs> she deserves it.
2: Yeah. Um,
3: she sure. learned that way. And yeah. the teacher was so taken aback, like, what? Uh, that's new. Um, and my mom, like, when I came home, she's like, you absolutely deserve that. You need to work harder in order to get um, uh-huh. the grade that you deserve. Because uh-huh. she's like, I know you can get an A. <laughs> Um, You did not try. And, uh, you know, you, we both know, and I'm like, yeah, you're right. So um, it goes both ways for her. I think those are
1: great. Those are great examples of, of the benefits of integration. So let's move on to some examples of segregation. So, I mean, I mentioned our podcast last week with Lily from the school for the blind. That's a really good example of segregation. Uh, I think also blind beginnings programs generally is is segregation, right? The CNIB camp that I went to as a kid. Um, Do you guys have examples of other segregated programs?
2: I was in a lot of, when I was younger, just things like disability yoga, um, like dance classes, adaptive dance classes, um, different sports. I am in a um taekwondo plus program which is actually specifically for people with cognitive disabilities and i don't have a cognitive disability but they put me in that class anyway
0: that's interesting Um, Mm.
2: yeah and i'm also swim and i'm in the paralympic program so um that's also kind of more segregated because Mm. i don't have a lot of opportunities to talk to other people in the club
0: Mm
1: -hmm.
2: right yes Yes. Sports
0: are one of the biggest ones, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think
1: that's an interesting. So what I would refer to as like pan disability, we're lumping people with disabilities yeah. together into a group. Yeah, and in my experience, that doesn't always work. Yes. Being the only person who's blind. Um, for me, when I was a competitive swimmer, I was in, they, they created this adapted group. We were called the functional elite, and oh boy. everybody had a, um, most of them had cerebral palsy. Most of the swimmers had cerebral palsy. Uh-huh. I think one person had spina bifida and then I was blind and. I swam faster than everybody because my actual arms and legs, you know, my body is not impaired in any way. Mm-hmm. And so it made sense logically that I would swim faster, but we were all in the same lane together. So I was constantly bumping into all the other swimmers yes. Yes because I would be lapping them and I'd have to pass them except I couldn't see until I was literally on top of them top in of them. some uh-huh. cases. Uh-huh. So they didn't like me. Uh-huh. And it I it ended up becoming pretty awful actually. Yeah, and it
0: it it probably created a lot of conflicts too, right? It
1: did. They yeah. there was some bullying that ended mm-hmm. up happening and they kind of ganged up on me and yeah. so yeah it 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 didn't work out and I, I think that that experience that you've just described Nika like what's it like being in a program where everyone has a cognitive disability and you don't that sounds really lonely
2: yeah yeah I think the biggest thing is for me I'm very focused and of course I understand that um with severe ADHD or Um, With autism spectrum disorder, it might be hard, and some people have special interests that they fixate on, but it's frustrating when I just want to get on with the training. And in the adult program, you're able to basically test for your belt whenever you're ready, whereas for this program, they only hold a test every three months. So, for example, on December 18th, they're holding a test, and I'm busy. And my instructor says I'm ready to progress to my next belt, but because I'm too busy to make the test, I won't be able to um, receive my yellow stripe belt until probably March, even though I was ready Mm. for it Mm. way before. So I feel held back. Another experience where kind of a pan disability program didn't work for me was when I was trying to find a dance studio, Uh, there was an adaptive dance class I was in and everyone in the class was either a wheelchair user or used a walker. And Mm -hmm. if they didn't use any type of mobility device, they had maybe some type of cerebral palsy or something that impacted their range of movement. Mm -hmm. And I was just really eager to learn and I wanted to learn technique. And I was very kind of type A wanting to do everything perfectly. And Mm -hmm. the instructor got mad at me for basically showing off because I was spinning and turning and jumping and she was saying that it would make everyone else feel bad and that was kind of really frustrating again because i wanted to focus on my training Mm -hmm. and i think at the time i was very angry at the class and uh, now that i'm older i have more compassion and i think there is a need for these classes i just think i needed something different yeah
1: well that Also reminds me in high school, I was put in a rehab, they called it a rehab PE class um, for people, for students with disabilities. So it was grade eight to 10, Uh every, like every, that was my, that was my PE class in grade eight, nine and 10. And again, I was the only student with a visual impairment. So we were playing that we were still doing the regular curriculum. We were still, still doing volleyball and basketball and badminton. And we were trying to use a beach ball instead of a volleyball or this giant birdie that doesn't even fly through the air, which I still can't see. Or, you know, it was like, this still doesn't work for me. So a lot of the time I was in the weight room by myself, um, or riding a stationary bike or running around the track by myself because, it didn't work. And I just think you can't lump all disabilities together and yeah, think that that's gonna work.
0: For sure. And you know, it's it's really funny kind of, when, when you put that into a smaller context in terms of just blind and visually impaired people as well, sometimes two people of the same vision level even will have different needs. Um, mm-hmm. And my, my mm-hmm. own experience comes from judo uh, when I tried it for a couple of months and they said, oh, well, we've had other blind judo people here before, um, and so we think this is the best way uh, for you to fight. And you know, I would I would train and I would do my best to learn, you know, the way they thought. But at the same time, my body just didn't like it. There wasn't, you know, it was part of me that kind of went, "I don't move like that. Like that's not the way I think best. That's not the way I. Uh, that's not the best way my body works. Uh, there are things that make more sense to me that I'm not allowed to do uh, because they don't think it's good for me to fight this way because I'm blind." So it's really interesting how, yeah, pan-disability approaches um, or kind of just generally you know blanket approaches where they say, oh, everybody like this has to be like that doesn't really work.
1: I think, um, I, I mean, there's definitely been some examples where segregation has been beneficial. Yes. Um, one I can think of is uh, Blind Beginnings a few years ago organized a first aid course for mm-hmm. our volunteers and members, and the majority of us were blind. And I've taken first aid on my own in a typical integrated situation where they weren't going to let me have a certificate because I wouldn't be able to see blood or, you know, there's just always been a lot of concerns about, well, how would you handle an emergency or a situation, a medical emergency? Mm -hmm. Whereas once we fought to have this class, (laughs) which did take a lot of advocating, Uh um, They were super impressed with how we, you know, we learned the material. Everyone did really well on their test. Everyone was able to do the practical stuff. We could take a little extra time if we needed for hands-on. Everyone there understood what our needs would be, and they made some accommodations for the way they gave us the test at the end, the written tests. And it it was a positive it was, experience it
0: was it was awesome I loved it and I, I remember that course actually because mm-hmm. I was I, I was one of the people who took it and I remember we did our food safe one too do you remember that mm-hmm. Sean? yeah um and that was another experience where yeah it did it did help to have you know everybody in one room um and it wasn't integrated with blind and study people sure you know I, I I love I love integration but again at the same time like I said earlier I recognize that there are times when it's you know, I, I think segregation has a really negative connotation to it because of history and because of what that what that means. But I, I think there are times when yes, it is it is helpful uh, to do something like that. So the fact that we did our courses um, in an environment where everybody was blind or visually impaired, we could have kind of figure out what everybody needed as individuals or take more time. Um, you know, because I think one thing we deal with. As people who like to integrate in circumstances, sometimes is the fact that we feel like we drag other people down. I don't know if uh, Nika, Ishita, you guys feel this way, but I definitely do. Um, mm-hmm. There's there's a there's a sense that man, I need to keep up with everyone else, and if I don't keep up, then I'm slowing the crowd down, and I'm doing something wrong.
3: Oh okay. yeah. For sure, I, I I am just a worrywart. Like I just yes. worry about everything yeah. <laughs> all the yeah. time. Yeah. Um. I think Clement and Nika can contest to that. Like, yes. I just I'm stressed all the time. Um. And when I'm in, uh, like even in university, uh, like when I'm just transiting or when I'm going, like I'm always constantly worried about, um, standing out or again, like Clement said, bringing people back. Like I actually did a first aid course as well. Mm. Um, and I was a little bit slower than everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone, you know, like one thing when we were doing the CPR, um, the instructor just said, you, you just push down on the chest. And what I thought the chest to be was actually the neck. And I was pushing it on the neck and they're like, you just killed the person. No. Uh, I <laughs> like, I'm like, oh,
2: cool. No, like, okay. Uh,
3: so I did it again. <laughs> uh, and like, you know, it's, it's stuff like you, you are left behind. And yeah. I will say like, Uh, My uh, experience with the segregation is very recent with Blind Beginnings. Um, Uh I think this is the only program that I've been in that relates to like anyone else. uh, So people around me also being visually impaired. Mm -hmm. And I recently wrote a blog about this, but like with the youth leadership training, with creating connections, anything I've done, um, I come back from it and I'm like, wow, I did not even consider like Mm -hmm. anything about like anxiety was just gone relating to like Mm -hmm. bringing people, like slowing them down or like, feeling awkward or like because everything is just so seamless and smooth and um, absolutely like one of the many things I love about um, blind beginnings and I'm sure if I went to other segregated programs which I'm hopefully planning to do in the future um, I will feel the same way that's something that cannot be matched in my opinion that's that's true yes
1: I I actually said recently I think it was on one of the podcasts that I I feel there was a point in my life in my twenties where I realized I had a different personality Uh (laughs) in Mm -hmm. it with other people who are blind versus the regular world, the Mm -hmm. the rest of the world. And it was all about that anxiety, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. Oh, Oh, I can just be here. I don't have to impress. I don't have to prove anything. I don't have to explain anything. I don't have to advocate for anything. So yeah, that is beautiful.
2: And I think there's something to be said about the different, almost I guess levels of segregation because the reason why I love Blind Beginnings is because well Sean you founded it and you have that lived experience Mm -hmm. and you work there and you have a hand in everything Blind Beginnings does Um, whereas I more kind of get frustrated when disability or blindness specific programs are run by sighted people or able-bodied people for example let's say you're teaching me sean how to do something and let's say one way doesn't work and the other way does you know automatically not to assume that every blind person does it that way you know that we're all individuals whereas in a lot of the programs that i'm in like swimming there's so Uh much like red tape and um just bureaucratic stuff to deal with like how they won't let me swim without a tapper and Uh i'm sure like clement you can attest to that in terms of like martial arts stuff for
0: sure for sure, absolutely. Um, like there's, you know, th- there is, so, there's so many martial arts, cl- I mean, Nika, you already mentioned that your, your, pro- your uh, clubs program is like that, right? Where they kind of, mm-hmm. it's, it's a program for disabled uh, practitioners, but it's run by sighted uh, or able-bodied practitioners, right? And so it, it's, it gets complicated because, and you, I remember, did you tell me um, that, you can only get up to a certain rank in that program?
2: Uh, Yes. Uh, So my uh, dojo for everyone goes up to like a second degree black belt. And for the program that I'm in, they said they only go up to a red belt, which is Uh I think the seventh or eighth level. Uh,
0: Yeah. So, you know, it it, it is, you know, there, there are, there are, in there are immense, you know, benefits to both and, but you know, like, bringing it back on focus, you know, I I do agree that there are certain times, like, you know, like a lot of the things that we've done at Blind Beginnings, um, whether that is trying out martial arts or learning how to, learning life skills even, um, it's so much more helpful, like Nika said, because Sean, you know, and uh, those of us who volunteer or the people who help out, Also know that every individual has different ways that work better for them. Some blind people learn better with hands-on experience. Some blind people learn better with uh, visual indicators or visual explanations. Some people learn, you know, Mm -hmm. through auditory. So it's it's really interesting to think about how that really does make a lot of sense when you know you have people who are disabled in charge and how that helps because it's easier for us to really understand more than just on an intellectual level, how to work with everyone who's in the room, as opposed to people who are like, Oh, I've never worked with blind kids before. And there's 10 of them sitting here. What do I do? You know?
1: Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, one of the other programs that I'm thinking of is our community discovery program, which is basically like a family field trip, right? Uh And if you think about field trips in school, You go to the aquarium. Pretty visual. Not a fan of the aquarium. Not gonna lie. Yep. Uh, (laughs) But when
0: (laughs) I agree. But
1: when Blind Beginnings goes to the aquarium, we go in the back to the touch lab, and we get to put our hands in stuff. And I mean, maybe you can do that in the school field trip. I don't know. I kind of. I don't know. But we look for those opportunities where we're going to do the extra thing we're going to get because I know what I missed out on. Yes, as a kid, right? I know what I still don't know what things certain things look like, because I never got a chance to touch it or experience it fully in a way that made sense to me. So Mm -hmm. yeah, that's, I think, another example where segregating the group, which it's not really full segregating because families are there with sighted siblings and parents, but it's yeah. also showing those individuals, this is the extra things we yeah. need to make this meaningful, right?
0: Yeah, and and I, that's what I love about our volunteer cruise, Sean, I, I do love that. Yeah, as, as someone who's now volunteering, I love that it's a mix of sighted and blind volunteers and they get to ask us questions and we get to ask them for help figuring out something or explaining something that maybe we don't understand either so it's a it's a great uh like you said it's not full segregation because it's not like all the, it's not like we tell the sighted blind you know the sighted people to get out you know <laughs> like that would be something different mm-hmm. but i feel like everybody gets to learn a lot from each other and i think that's really where segregation can work very well
1: yeah it's really not black and white it's really mm-hmm. not one or the other right sure. it's like there are benefits to both yeah, um yeah. one thing i was thinking of is like the benefits of integration for the advancement of society as a whole. Yes.
0: yes, And
1: you guys mentioned some of that, like, you know, Nika going into dance or gymnastics, and there's a whole new group of people who now understand how to interact with somebody who is blind.
0: Yeah. And I've I've been told that multiple times. So, I you know, I I mentioned before on the podcast and wrote a blog that I do Aikido as a martial art. And in my dojo, it's also the same thing. You know, a lot of people have told me multiple times that, you know they know now how to work not just with me but just they've learned to tailor their style to different people and they've learned to be more adaptable and they wouldn't have done that if it wasn't for me joining them you know and it, it was it was it's really cool because that is you know that 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 what ishita talked about um about not that feeling of oh i you know i don't have to worry about being left behind. And Sean mentioned it too. It's not not being left behind and can just do my best and be like everyone else. Uh, Of course, there is, you know, still a degree of that. But, you know, one thing I've learned through being in that integrated environment where it's positive is that, well, everyone feels like that. You know, my, my instructor always says, you know, when she goes back to Japan and practices with people who practice twice a day, seven days out of a week, you know, she feels like she's being left behind too. So, you know, it's, it's really comforting, I think, to be in environments where sighted people will tell you the same thing. They'll be like, you feel left behind? Guess what? I do too, (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, good. It's not just me and it's not just a blind thing, you know, so it's definitely so, it's so helpful to have.
1: I do feel like there's a lot of work that has to happen initially. Yes. In those settings, right? And I was going to ask Ishita, since that's been most of your experience, Uh most of your life, Mm I know for me, you know, there's, there's always that initial like, oh, apprehension that people might have for me to join. And then making everyone else in the group comfortable with my visual impairment is a thing I have to do. Um, and the problem solving that Clement mentioned Mm -hmm. and the advocating, right? Like, so what was
0: those
3: things?
1: What was that experience for you? Um,
3: it's, it's a lot (laughs) in one word. Um, it's like, like you said, you have to tend to, you're, you're the one, like the spotlight's on you. Uh, and if you're, and I was very uncomfortable with that when I was younger, I hated people even just looking at me, let alone having to explain what, um, my, my visual acuity is, like how they can work with me. Um, like I hated group projects. I found it the worst thing because oftentimes I was not contributing to it. I was just picking up garbage and putting that away. And, you know, not actually, even though I, I knew the subject and it was that assumption that I couldn't do anything that really. And again, uh, as I got older, I got a lot better at saying, uh, demanding that I be an equal and saying like, no, I can contribute to this Mm -hmm. um, just as well as you can. So, um, but like one, one thing that Nika mentioned is that she's a part of some youth councils. And I've talked about this in Exploring Work Wednesday that I actually help run a youth council. Um, And we recently had a meeting on accessibility. Um, We talk about a lot of different topics, but accessibility is always a big one. Um, And of course, I'm the go-to person to talk to about it because I'm the only one in the council with any sort of disability. Um, And a lot of the times, um, you know, I I just go off on those meetings because I just love talking about accessibility, but I always tend to hold myself back saying, this is a place for people to learn. It's not your job to teach them everything. You want them to understand certain things, yes, correct misunderstandings. But what I tend to do is instead of just explaining how things work, I I propose it to them. I say, Say, I'm in a situation like this. Um, You know, a person with a certain kind of disability is in this situation. What do you think happens? And then they give me their response. And I say, "Mm, Okay, but what about this? Like I try to educate them in a way that makes them think other than me just speaking at them. Um, and I've, I've adapted that in every aspect of my life when people have like, asked me questions or anything like that. And one thing I use um, is blind jokes a lot. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. uh, I, I find it like, it does make people uncomfortable and I'm very sinister that I like that feeling <laughs> when people are like, oh, uh, <laughs> I'm just like that. Um, but I've noticed that, you know, I've, I've been around people, side people my whole life it opens up the conversation it makes them comfortable to talk to you then because they're like oh you have a sense of humor about it oh like you know it it works i can actually talk to you it's not a serious thing i'm like it's not it's just my way of life i make blind jokes probably excessively to this point um but it it really does like help take that pressure off um and i've used that so much in my life and of course combined with educating people combined with um Having patience, that's a big thing, I think, that you need to, mm-hmm. you you do tend to um, learn and integrate this uh, situations that people just don't understand, and it's okay. Um, it's not my job to educate everyone. That's fine. Um, and if, you know, you try your best, and if it doesn't work out, that's okay. Like, having that yeah. contentment with it, too, is something that I've learned as well. Yes.
1: It's so, it's such a journey. It's so like it is a lot, a lot, a lot of work, but then mm-hmm. when it works, yes. it's so beneficial, right? Yeah. Like yeah. there's this whole new group of people who understands yeah. visual impairment in a different way, who sees you as a human, who is like, understands some of the accommodations that, that can really small things that can make a big difference. Yes. They start thinking yes. about things in a new way. Mm-hmm. Like it really, it really does pay off, but you yeah. got to like persevere through all of that to get to that place.
0: You, you know, and yeah. it, it's really interesting. It's not even just one place, but you might spend most of your life. I know this is my personal experience is you spend most of your life learning how to do that and trying and having, uh, having to face people who say no repeatedly and you try to advocate over and over and, over and over and over and over and over and over again, and you keep learning all the way. And then when you finally find that one place out of a million where it works, you, re- you do realize how much, how worth the wait it was. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So whether that's months, you know, taking months to advocate for a specific thing in school and then finally having it work or spending your whole life advocating to five or six different places and then finding one that works on the seventh try, you know, that one, that's always such a worthwhile feeling you know, when it finally does kind of click into place?
3: Uh, one thing I, I did notice, uh, we talked about this quite a bit as a benefit for integration being education. Um, but I, I, I think like a lot of people would have the thought that that could be a um, uh, a negative as well, having to constantly educate. Mm-hmm. And yes. that's yes. something that you don't need to do in segregation.
0: Yes, uh, that's very it's true. so
3: it's so easy. You don't need to be telling people. Uh, of course, not in like those um, pen disability situations. Um, mm-hmm. Generally, more when you're with other people with visual impairments. Mm-hmm. You do. I remember this so clearly. <laughs> uh, this is mm-hmm. my first interaction with Clement. Um, it was when I met him. I don't, and, I, I don't know if I should
0: be happy about this or scared that you're it, to it's
3: this story. it's well you'll see uh no it's good it was it's like the thing that like made me want to be his friend i would say um it was when i met him and uh i I talked we were talking about our vision our vision and he i i was explaining like what my visual vision was i didn't have a condition at that point i wasn't diagnosed Mm -hmm. i was just explaining how i saw and he looks at me he goes that's so complicated i just say i can't see and it's easy like that i feel so bad for you and i'm like whoa oh God, I <laughs> like
0: I, I can't uh, I can't believe I, I can't believe I you did
3: that. say that and I was like because that was my first actual interaction with other people with disability it was a blind beginning sports day and that was the oh first day God. I saw on Amika as well mm. um and it was years ago when I was about like 12, 13 I think um mm. and up until that point I've always been told you have it better because there are people out there who have less vision than you right um I've always been told that they're like be grateful for the vision you have blah 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 mm. and i was sick like, took the mentality saying mm. um i'm one of the fortunate ones uh-huh. and I, of course i don't hold that anymore but mm. climate really made me realize like it's not black and white it's not just because i have more vision i am quote unquote in a better situation mm. that's not the case and it really like flipped my perception um a lot and that sports day was so much fun like mm. i got to learn how to play goalball i there was so much i didn't know right. because i came from integrated Mm-hmm. um right I came from integrate situations I was learning like so much that day just in that one day and I'm like I was fucked and like I'm joining blind beginnings one day <laughs> and,
0: and so that's that's another area I think you know we I mean, we kind of touched on it a little bit but sports right it's mm-hmm. sometimes segregation can actually be helpful um mm-hmm. to have days like that when we take time to do multiple sports because it's nice to be able to take as much time as you need rather than Being the one person in a, like Sean mentioned in a high school PE class where you feel like you have to do, you know, you either have to keep up with everyone else as best you can, or you kind of sit off to the side and do your own thing. So I think that's another time Mm -hmm. when segregation can work very well is when you don't have to sit off to the side and just watch everyone else play because it's a sport that's, you know, there, there are sports that are picked specifically because everyone can do them.
1: You know, that's, I think one of the biggest frustrations about the pan disability experience for me is that I still felt isolated. Uh I still felt like it didn't work for me. And I'm like, okay, if it doesn't work for me, even in this group for people like me, then I don't fit anywhere. That's kind of the takeaway, right?
3: Yeah. And Mm -hmm. I, like
1: when I was a swimmer, it would have made more sense to make me, I was 18, 19 Put me with the 15 year olds then. Yeah. If that's my level, I'll yeah. swim with them. But at yeah. least I'm not gonna be trampling all over everyone yeah. in the lane. They yeah. can see me and get out of my way. They're you know, it just yeah. why did you lump me with the people with the functional right. with a mobility impairment? Yeah, that just didn't make sense.
0: Right. And it's it's kind of the opposite end kind of the opposite side of the same coin, right? Earlier we were talking about feeling awkward because you're being left behind, but then there are other times when you feel awkward because you know in those pan disability situations where you're like uh Mm -hmm. i don't feel like i'm here because what's challenging for this particular group of people isn't challenging for me yeah and you know then what do you do and like you said you know that led to all sorts of ganging up and drama Mm -hmm. and problems that wouldn't have happened if you had been integrated into you know
1: yes and later when i transferred to university i swam with an able like a master's swim club which yep. is just for anybody yep. um who's older than 20 and it was perfect no problem at all i would i, I was at the same level i was the only yeah. person who was blind yeah. or had a disability of any kind that i'm aware of and it worked out great so yeah it, it's not it's not straightforward yeah. and i feel like people are trying in creating these groups for people mm-hmm. with disabilities they're trying mm-hmm. but you can't know everybody's needs you can't yeah. know sure. one one size does not fit all sure. sadly so yeah no. doesn't always work
2: yeah uh, it also i think depends on the program and the people teaching it just because there's some um integrated programs i've done like gymnastics that work really well for me and that i didn't really need too much adaptation for and then there's programs like i was in musical theater and there was a lot of uh, feeling left behind in that it was a one month intensive program eight hour rehearsals every day and a lot of times for dance i would have to like sit on the side and watch everyone or like they even straight up told me you have a really, really good voice and we want to give you a bigger part so you can sing more songs because you have a beautiful voice, but because blocking and doing like acting on stage, it would be way more work. We're just going to give you like the smallest role basically. And I'm like, thanks. I'm a good singer, but I guess too much work.
1: Yeah. Too much work. Uh That's the thing. Right.
2: That's the line.
0: Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, it 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 is nikas right the instructor or you know the whoever's leading the program makes a huge difference whether it is integrated or segregated you know mm-hmm. i i feel like depending on who's in charge and how much they kind of let you push yourself you know and and be s- and
1: be sensitive to that yes. feeling of being too yes. much work right exactly. like if exactly if the person leading wants you there yep. values your contribution yep and is willing to figure out a way so that you're not too much work or so yeah. that you can fully contribute, then that's amazing. That's yeah. magic. Yeah. But sometimes they're not, they're like, uh-huh. Ugh, I have to let you be here because I can't discriminate, but I'm not going to yeah. do anything extra to make it work. Yeah. You know, that that's mm-hmm. a terrible experience.
2: <laughs> I was telling her the story about like my Taekwondo situation and she uh-huh. was more outraged about it uh-huh. than uh-huh. I, he was like, oh, no, you need to like, take this to the media. You need to go to them, tell them to put you in an adult class. Gymnastics is more difficult than Taekwondo when you're thriving in this class. There's no excuse why you shouldn't be in an adult yeah. class. Like, you need to do this. Like Every class I go, she's like, so did you talk to the Taekwondo people yet? <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, one thing that relate- is related to that, one of the things that I really got encouraged by uh, when going back to Aikido after covid was you know a lot of there was a lot of worries about learning from a distance or being able to you know do things hands-on and I remember one thing my my instructor said to me was she said look I have a philosophy in life and that is everyone around me is my teacher and I get to learn from everyone I interact with and that was such a freeing thing to hear from someone who's able-bodied who's done this thing for 40 years and should, you know by by rights have the ability to say look i get to tell you what to do i get to make the decisions you know you you follow the way i like it but when when the person in charge does make you feel like look i want to learn from you i want to learn what you can do um and you know like sean said when they make you feel like they want you there and they want you to contribute you know like the fact that they asked me recently to make a visual flyer for a Christmas party and I was like uh I can't do that I've never done that before and they were like just try it and then send it to us and we'll check it and I was like okay (laughs) you know little little things like that I think you know like Sean said little things that make a huge difference I -hmm. think
3: yeah one thing I've learned just from this conversation alone but in life is also with segregation and um integration individuality gets lost very quickly
0: yes um oftentimes
3: yeah with both it's the disability that tends to define you um in like the like you said in the blanket situations um you have a disability therefore you go with the other kids that have disability it's not you and we're not looking at necessarily your needs but also with individuality you're trying to keep up with everyone sometimes you're it's just or or you are highlighted as the one who was blind or the one who has a disability um i think if we learn anything it's that look at the individual like we said they have their own um special skills you know like you said they wanted you to do it and there was a reason why they wanted you to do it regardless of it was going to be difficult for you you didn't even may have like known you said like i i can't do it but they saw that you could they believed in you and you gave it a try and there you go like i think that's something that's like focus on the individual. And as hard as it can be in group settings, I understand like it's not always a possibility. It's to the extent as much as you can, the little, little, little changes, yes. just asking yes. them, pulling them aside, talking yes. to them as the person uh-huh. um, makes all the difference. Yeah.
1: Thank you so much, you guys. Thank you for joining me for this conversation. I think it's been really, really great.
0: Thank mm-hmm. you for Thank having me. Thank us. you. It's so good to be on.
1: You've been listening to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast. If you have a question, a comment, a future topic request, we'd love to hear from you. Please send us an email to limitless at blindbeginnings.ca. Please share our podcast, like, subscribe, and join us next time.
0: This podcast has been brought to you by Blind Beginnings, an organization based in Vancouver, Canada, that supports children and youth who are blind or partially sighted, along with their families. Music for this podcast is composed by Sean Bishop and Clement Chow. Production and audio editing by Rob Minot. For more information about Blind Beginnings and the work it does to support children and youth who are blind and partially sighted, along with their families, Visit us on the web at www.blindbeginnings.ca and also remember to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We thank you for joining us and we look forward to seeing you next time.